The Indie Council is now in session. Welcome. This is the place for leading voices from across the industry to gather and talk news, titles, and everything indie. While Jill is out fighting some money-hungry Unity executives, I am your master of ceremonies, <laughs> Mike Toundra, 061 Indie, and Vicarious PR. Tonight, I'm joined by, well, Jill has this whole thing, slaying pens of pixels and elevating min-max and kind of funny, Jaren Garcia. Hello. Happy episode eight. Happy I brought episode my inaugural eight. cake for the episode. Where is, my, where is our slices I know. of cake? I need I a party hat. <laughs> I know. I have nothing. The only party thing I have handy is my, my new little boy. Oh. Oh. I have a yeah. Is that that uh, is that <laughs> there we go. Happy eighth, everyone. Happy eighth, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone's celebrating 158th. That's our no, thing. Wait. Happy we episode eight. I'm sorry, Jill can be here for this big moment on the show. It's I'm real, 30 yeah. seconds in, we're already off the rails. <laughs> 30 seconds in, Jill. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, serious player at Geeks and Grounds off that week, Kepler Interactive and Wholesome Games, Jenny Wyndham. Hello. Where the, the hell whistle. where the hell is that from? <laughs> I used to be a teacher, so I had a oh. various tools and things to like capture kids' attention because I really don't like to yell over people. Sure. And so um yeah, the train whistle was one that just like stuck around with me after the classroom. Uh, I yes. wish I had that for some of my clients. I should Amazon one. <laughs> <laughs> they're great <laughs> what uh, did you um, teach i taught language arts and social studies mostly for middle school kids but i did do a stint in high school and i taught second okay. grade for like a breath of a moment uh elementary school i like a whole different i don't know how <sighs> i mean i do feel like i know how you do it because you have like a very calming but knowledgeable energy you know what i mean yeah. like <laughs> Like if I need to know where the bathroom was, I'd definitely ask you and you tell me calmly yeah. and and yeah. and accurately. You know what I mean? Yes. But no, elementary I did um high school, a little bit of middle school as well, same mm -hmm. thing, language art English. And I subbed before in elementary school. And the amount of respect that I have gained <laughs> since that like one this one singular day in elementary school, it is so hard. So yeah. props to you. Like in all <laughs> teaching's hard, and I don't want to go on a big tangent on it, but just like the amount of getting the small people to like understand system, like you move heaven and earth. Like I'm very impressed by that. That is such a hard gig. It is. Yeah. M much respect to folks who are like still in the classroom. I, you know, I'm in games now, but oh my gosh, I do miss teaching uh, quite a bit. And I think every once in a while, I'm like, what if I went back and did like middle school for another year? But nah, uh, there's too many games. So stick it around. Janet, when you said, oh, I, I, you know, I did elementary school, high school, um, in my mind, I was like, yeah, I also went to elementary school. Oh, yeah, school. Right. What, what a coincidence. <laughs> we also did this. I know. Have you ever gone back, though? And then you're like, I'm just stuck here. It's a little scary. It's a little scary. <laughs> like as a teacher or like, yeah, yeah as, as a, a teacher, <laughs> like when you show up as a teacher and you're like, what if what if the rest of my life was sophomore school. year of language arts? Like, that's a little scary. <laughs> I mean. Like you're held back up here. <laughs> that was me with my middle schooler. So I was like, oh my God, eighth grade English. Mm -hmm. The rest of my life, what? <laughs> that was great. Um, we, we read the Hunger Games, so I was happy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. Uh, mom is sick. So uh, instead of keeping things in orderly <laughs> fashion, um, if you had to pick one animal part that you could adapt to your own body, what would it be? <laughs> I kind of want bat sonar. Because my ears are shot from concerts. I think mm. I, I could, I already have pretty big ears because I used to stretch them when I was little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Janet, you, you go first. Ears. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just used to go like this a lot. And I think that's um, why I have big ears. 
I have a conspiracy theory of my own from childhood that I used oh, to please. look through these. Um, I had from Build-A-Bear Workshop, I had a pair of binoculars like from the store and they like technically sort of worked, but not well because they're not real binoculars. And I'd look through them a lot. And I think that's why I have to wear glasses now. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I'm a little suspicious. Um, my animal part that I'd like would probably be some form of wings Okay. because you can retract them if you want to be a little more low key. You can bust sure. them out for some sick cosplay and they're good for just like commuting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's I think I'll go with wings. Some what kind of wings? wings are we talking bird dinosaur uh creature of the mm. night maybe you know what uh it's a little gross looking so maybe not but those like you're talking about bats like those freaky bats that are like the size of people that like live <gasps> in mexico yeah. like in the caves like yeah. i think That's that awesome. would get the job done nice. what about what about you jenny what animal part oh, are you dang. taking this is a good question i okay i'm of two minds because one thing i've always wanted is like super flexibility and i think about like my cat and how she can just mm. like mm. she's so flexy and i'm like do you have bones are you just water and like just like a meat sack i don't know um but yes. i think also you know those <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> what a cute kitty um I think there's like, a, is it the mantis shrimp or something that can see like Ooh. all of these wild colors mm. that we don't even register? I would, I've always wanted to know what it's like to see the world through like the mantis shrimp eyes, which maybe it's totally disorienting and horrible and I would be overwhelmed and hate it. But maybe for like a day, that would be really cool. Okay, so we'll Jenna wants to fly. Jenna wants to fly and Jenny wants to just trip balls. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can make this happen somehow. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Anyways, indie news. Hey, Unity, they're up to some shit. Unity the other day, obviously last week we talked about the whole Unity policy and how much it's bullshit and everybody's fighting them. That's why Jenny, not, not Jenny, Jill. There's too many, there's too many J names. Too many J names. So I put my, put my foot a lot. down. I get it. Uh, that's why Jill is fighting folks right now. But they tweeted mm-hmm. out on the 17th. We have heard you. Oh, fucking Unity. We have heard you. We apologize for the confusion and angst against the runtime fee policy we announced on Tuesday. Uh, we are listening, talking to our team members, community, customers, and partners, and we'll be making changes to the policy. We will share an update in a couple of days. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback. I'm sorry you feel that way, Vibes. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, this is also off the heels of people sending death threats to Unity, which is not okay. We could be as angry as we want, but don't do that, please. Mm-mm. Um, and then on the heels of that, one Dr- Jason Schreier uh, from Bloomberg broke out that the company recently held an all-hands meeting where staff who were informed is now exploring changes such as a 4% cap on potential fees. This would apply for customers making over $1 million in revenue and installations counting towards that would not be implemented retroactively. Uh Bloomberg further claims that rather than relying on proprietary tools to track software installations, Unity will now rely on users to self-report the data. Yeah, fucking right. The outlet that that wasn't part of the article. Uh, the outlet <laughs> alleges these changes are being looked at over Unity's partners, and the company will the company won't announce them until it's been given their full approval. Jenny from the dev side, thoughts? <laughs> I mean, you said it. Like, who self-reporting? When has that? ever really worked that doesn't work (laughs) um yeah (laughs) this this is just wild to read this (laughs) i don't know it's fucking dumb it's 
I'm curious because obviously this is Schreier like digging through things and and all that kind of stuff. I'm curious what the actual public final change is going to be because mm-hmm. you can't police folks, folks. Like sure, like everybody in a perfect world, everybody is honest and and actually reporting all their installations and data. But like, no. Well, and I think too. What- Oh, I was gonna. I was just gonna say, like, what would even incentivize folks to do so? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, if I'm an indie dev and I know that reporting this is gonna potentially, like, make it unsustainable for me to keep up my work. Like, yeah, in a perfect world, yet we're all gonna be honest. But I'm not gonna sacrifice my livelihood for that. Yeah, to like, be I'm really curious, frank. I'm curious what the penalty is for not self-reporting like there has to be a penalty like there is a but to this like do you lose your membership like do you get a fee like a Mm, a, a fee probably yeah like Mm -hmm. a like a ticket (laughs) yeah i mean it's like um it's kind of giving like the u.s tax system which is also pretty (laughs) flawed where it's like you have to figure out how much you owe and then you have to pay the right amount but also i know how much you owe so i know if you're wrong but i won't tell you how much you owe so that you can pay it because mm-hmm. I like it this way, signed TurboTax. So it's a little bit like right. that. But also, I think, um, to me, the idea of the self-reporting seems like a very jank past the buck issue when it comes to, um, I think, those edge cases that they were kind of finally starting to respond to of like, oh, well, maybe like charity bundle won't count or like a demo won't count or this, that, and the third. And there was that quick conversation of, how are they going to track that data? We don't have a way to track that data. And then kind of being like, well, you're going to have to figure out how to track that or how to figure out where those things are going um, and kind of passing that on to the developers. So it just seemed like a lot of what Unity is trying to implement involves shifting additional labor or and or expenses onto other parties involved, whether that's, mm-hmm. oh, don't worry about Game Pass. We're going to make that Microsoft's problem. And like, it's very like weirdly a hot potato pass of no one really wants to deal with this except for, I guess, unity in the sense that they want the money that comes from it while also trying to skirt these odd and very specific edge cases. So yeah, I don't know what the, unfortunately I have a bad feeling the end result of where they land still won't have as much clarity as I think people sort of need, but um, it does kind of seem like the end of the end of days for unity in terms of folks really trying to, I guess, scramble to like learn new engines at this point, honestly. Mm -hmm. I will say like, even in my conversations with developers over the week, like, um, a a lot of developers have been asking, continuing, continuing on the conversation from last week where it's like, okay, well, what if I get this grant to change the, cause a lot of engines now are also speaking up and saying, Hey, we're providing these funds. We're providing these initiatives to allow developers to make those transitions. And because other engines are making it more viable, um, more developers are actually like seriously considering transitioning over just to be safe, even if yeah. they're not necessarily going to be impacted super negatively um, come, you know, January 2024. Yeah. It's also the fact that like, no matter what unity does, the trust is broken. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like, even in a perfect world, they're like, Hey, JK, never mind. All good. Back to normal. I like, if I was a game dev, I wouldn't want to stick with unity because they're going to try to pull the shit again. Yeah, what's going to have to happen if if they have any hope of trying to remedy what has happened, they can't just backtrack. They have to provide further protections for any future updates moving forward. Like they have to find ways to protect current users and the terms of service they have at this point in time because otherwise, yeah, like they're going to have to do more than just 
go back at this point. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Janet, you mentioned the charity aspect. There was the other side of things that broke during the week as well. Uh, Indie Dev Lizard Factory claimed that Unity said that organizations such as Planned Parenthood are not valid charities and are instead political groups. That's uh, yeah. Planned Parenthood and Children's Hospitals. So cool. That's a lot. Great. Yeah. So well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I mean, it's just so that's much kind of a nail in the coffin. <laughs> to this. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like, so are they going to have to go through every single charity bundle and vet every single organization that yeah. you know, it's like they're creating so much work, like Janet was saying, and there's this level of micromanagement that's not gonna be sustainable on their part. Like it just doesn't, it's just it's not gonna happen. Yeah, and I sympathize for like all the actual like unity employees mm -hmm. that have to like do this work it's not their fault it's the ghouls up top that just want to get into the pockets of devs it's it's unfair yeah i also do want to um echo what you mentioned jenny earlier with at this point to really if they did want to save the good faith they'd have to also have some type of additional protection baked in um which like i did a quick google because i could not remember this a million years ago i taught it like a summer camp that was like academic focused and it also had like life skill stuff. And one of those was like the four part apology, which is like the acronyms a mister it's like been used by probably plenty of other places, but it's acknowledged, apologize, make it right and recommit. And kind of, that's kind of what you're speaking to like that recommitment mm. part. Like it's not enough to make it right. You all, and this is also just good advice for making good apologies to people in real life <laughs> in regular non-business <laughs> life. Yeah. But the recommit of like, okay, how are you going to, do that appropriate behavior in the future is sort of that additional part that I think a lot of people, business or otherwise, don't necessarily get to um, in terms of that amendment. But yeah, and uh, man, the odds of that, I think, are unfortunately just so low. I think, too, like yeah. I imagine business-wise as well, part of that is them trying to protect themselves, which normally is fine until you take advantage of it. You know, kind of even in the the setup, I was listening to uh, over on the other podcast I do, The MinMax Show, um, Haley McLean is like, uh, you know, does law like by trade. And she was talking about it from like the legal perspective on like our community questions segment. And I was like, mm -hmm. eating it up because I'm like, oh, someone who really knows like law, mm -hmm. like talking about it. Like she's so, um, yeah, she's so brilliant in that way and being able to break it down. And one thing she mentioned was like having, you know, the, oh, I can kind of change terms at any time is sort of baked into it, which is not abnormal with like a terms and conditions thing. But I feel like at this point, like the, it's sort of hanging over everyone's head, I think, in terms of what Unity could ever do at this point, because they've kind of showed their hand and their hand is evil. So then they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> never mind. And it's like, wait, what was that over there? They're like, don't worry about it. It's no, like, no, oh, that's such an un an unsettled feeling. And and again, I just I really feel for the developers and teams affected because it is an unsettling feeling in an already highly unstable, barely squeaking by industry. So again, this mm -hmm. has to just be such a nail in the coffin for so many people yeah and even like production schedules and like you know the countless of games that are currently in development using unity like what does that look like you know I, I bet so many people are like jenny was saying like trying to learn these new tools and just totally restarting development or scrapping projects altogether it's it's yeah i'm curious to see the fallout from this within the indie scene over the next couple of years or maybe even more than that, just to see like how many, because obviously like nowadays, like especially this year, like every week we get at least like three to four notable indie releases, um, which I feel like is a product of COVID, even on the AAA side of things. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see where we start to feel that little bit of drought and, and the consequence behind um, having to learn a whole new system. Yeah. And I like wonder too context, how, it, how um... it ain't easy to learn a whole new tool set. It's, it's yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder what like the academic setting looks like for this too. I'm by no means oh, an expert man. on what those spaces look like, yeah. but they're always so behind. Like just and just by way of, you know, again policy, those things move slowly. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if they're going to respond, how late they'll respond. Like people that are already caught up in some of those programs, obviously you can always teach yourself. But what reason a lot of people go to a school or into a program is because they don't don't want to have to solely learn on their own they want that structure so if you're already like st- a lot of people i think are just locked in in a really crummy way um right. which is unfortunate yeah i yeah. feel like for the seniors this year you know who are just like trying to get out into the industry i mean that's that's a rough time because um for folks who aren't familiar like so much of what your job application is when you're moving into a game developer role is like what engines are you comfortable with what software are you comfortable with using and if everyone is starting to look at other options and you don't have that knowledge like you're you either have to have connections so that you can like make the way to show like through your personality and ability to learn that you can just learn fast and on the job, or you're going to have to take time to learn it outside. Um, Both are rough options. Yeah. And not to mention like the real life stuff of like Mm -hmm. spending so much money on school and all of a sudden that degree goes to waste to some extent. Like, yes, it's ridiculous, man. It's just like, there's so many like little well, not little, but there's so many like domino pieces that are falling from all this that like I'm sure the unity execs are not thinking about. Like I, I mean, I, I forgot where I heard this. Ben, I, it might have been a KF podcast. I'm not sure, but like this is for the mobile game market. They're trying to capitalize on the mobile game market primarily. I'd imagine like the, mm-hmm. the you the know, Genshin's uh, and the Pokemon, the Genshin's and the Pokemon and- goes, and like people who are just downloading free to play games, thousands of thousands of thousands of times a day. Um. Yeah, it's just, it's sad. It's frustrating. It's ridiculous. Um, We are recording this on September 20th. So we'll see what things look like in the coming days when things Mm -hmm. become more public, things break even more. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they said what you said, September 17th was the update that they had. So by the end of this week, they said that they would have another actual update, right? Or at least update compared to the last, what, September, like, 13th or 14th yeah, something like update that. they gave. And that's if it's still this week after Schreier broke the news and maybe they'll go into hiding again. <laughs> right, right. After after the response. Yeah. I think the only other thing is um just because I do know a few folks over at Unity who are like, you know, not decision makers necessarily, yeah. but they're part of like community teams. And um, yeah, I just I feel for anyone having to deal with the the brunt of it the brunt of it and like the customer service side of it at this point because yeah yeah so like you said please be nice to them <laughs> please yeah be it's, nice it's to not them. their fault don't be sending death threats and stuff it's just mm-hmm. everybody be cool we'll attempt to figure it out except for jill jill could go fist fight people speaking of the industry being unstable the good old folks at embracer lays off 26 individuals from beam dog. This is the myth force team myth force, a game that both Jill and I really enjoyed in, in the preview cycle. So this is really fucking heartbreaking to see, um, taking this from destructoid who took it from game developer. Yeah. Um, quoting former associate producer, Messia Blanier's. I'm so sorry. Uh, on Friday, 26 people were laid off at beam dog. I was unfortunately one of them. After four years at the company, I look back at my time there fondly and wish everyone the best. Um, you know, Embracer has been scooping up folks, and I feel like 
layoffs are just running rampant. Um, I know like Volition just got shut down. Um, even today, I think I saw Crystal Dynamics was also infect, uh, infected, yeah. Jesus, affected. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just a bummer, especially like with Miss Force. It just came out last week, I think. Yeah. So like give the game a goddamn chance. It's actually really goddamn cool. And it's not a small indie team's fault that it is the worst time of the year to put out an indie game. Um, so yeah, just a bummer. I wanted to shout that out and give condolences on behalf of the council. Yeah, there's one stat that I saw um, just in a couple of discords, actually, that I'm a part of um, where it, I didn't collect this myself. This is just someone that something that someone shared with me. Um, but apparently just in 2023, this person said that there was rec- recorded um, just under 5K known layoffs in the industry. Um, and I think the final stat was like, 79 companies have been affected uh it's just kind of incredible to think about just the breadth of which we've had just like layoffs and turnover and like people getting sort of churned through the industry this year in particular so um yeah it's been a very rough year yeah especially for a small team to get scooped up by a parent company and just like feel that sense of security and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's just fucking taken away right after Mm -hmm. you launch a game it's just yeah it feels disgusting i saw a lot of people talking about that specifically in relation to the fact that it's embracer where embracer had that era of wow they're like buying everybody where they have this like endless supply of cash and this is kind of the you know negative aspect (laughs) yeah yeah exactly what's the negative aspect of consolidation of the industry of of what an acquisition can be when it's not managed um properly frankly you know i do think at the end of the day like i always look at layoffs of any form as a failure of leadership you either mm-hmm. like hired more than you need like you someone messed up and it wasn't the person working you know it's probably someone way up top right um that's just kind of how these things go down and yeah it's it's unfortunate because again at the end of the day it is a business which is fine everyone knows that however um i think sometimes i think this might be a case of dug too greedily and too deep in terms of embracer with just how things are shaking out it does i think i don't know cause concern and a little bit of unrest um in terms of like embracers acquisitions in general which again are not all necessarily like in the same camp as as what happened with the myth force team but um yeah i don't know there's not it's a little dark to say like nothing's safe but like there really isn't like you know there's there's perceived safer stuff um you know hopefully that's why like whenever i see an acquisition like i always do hope that like obviously the team signing it must think that this is the best move for them as a team. Uh, and I'm sure at the time that was true. And I'm like, hopefully that remains true because you just never know. Like they could be making a bad decision and not know it. And you don't really have a way to know that. You just have to make the best decision you can with the information you have at the time. Um, so yeah, unfortunate to see. Yeah. And obviously that goes across the media side as well, which is like mm-hmm, this year has yeah. been like nonstop media layoffs as well. It's mm-hmm. just like, I don't know, for an industry that's so fucking, I don't know, prosperous it seems like that's making a shit ton of money it's just shitty to see speaking of shitty things <laughs> this episode is so dark no jill's the one that put this together she left yeah, but with the trash. She, i guess she like knew you'd you'd be leading so she's like what what's a good a good mic show yeah all the negative depressing shit and gloom. yeah scams daylight 2020 reports <laughs> scams uh last week jenny and i were talking about our favorite 
people in the world, curators, theme curators, and are <laughs> the the people we love to interact with the most in the world. Uh, so Jill thought it would be a great topic of the show to kind of delve into scams, indie scams, from the side of the developer, from the PR aspect, from the media aspect. Um, so I figure we could do a quick recap of the curator situation if we want yes. to go a little bit deeper into that. Jenny, you have uh, anything you want to yeah. say about curators? Yeah, well, I guess I, it may be worth um, introducing just what Steam curators are for folks Please. who yes. aren't familiar um, or maybe didn't hear the last episode. Basically, on Steam, you can create like an organization um, or an aspect of your profile, I forget exactly what it is, but it's essentially an account that makes recommendations um, ostensibly to help others discover games that they may be interested in. So they're curating Steam games. Um, I think the intent of it is really cool. I think there are some Steam curators out there who do good work, um, but what has happened is with this particular iteration of the program, because anyone can create a creator page, anyone can... Uh, basically amass followers in a variety of means some of them not so legit i guess legit or above ground um you you end up with a lot of curators that have inflated follower numbers a lot of um reviews that are not reviews like there's one that just ha does like little emotes um random emotes there's one that does like the same like little I forget what it's called, but it's like an icon image of a bunny every time. It's like they're not reviews at all. They're just thumbs up to games to get keys, um, some of which they'll throw onto, for example, seller markets um, that aren't good places to get games from because they don't actually support the devs. So uh, that is Steam Curators in a nutshell. I I'm like... I keep wanting someone to prove me wrong. Like, oh, here's some great examples or yeah. here's ways Steam curators can be used that's super effective. And I, if anyone out there listening has case studies and examples of that, please let me know because I'd love to give it a chance. But every time I've tried, it has just never worked out. Um, yeah. Yeah, like on the PR side of things, they typically sniff out <laughs> what games you're working on and, you know, peeking behind the curtain a little bit like there's a website called game press and we usually like on the vicarious side of things we usually upload our press releases on game press and it just like gets sent out to media outlets and so on and so forth but anybody could make an account for it and have access to it typically on game press i will include my email like in case like any media outlets want to reach out about keys or have any questions for the developers so on and so forth uh so like the games i'm working on are public public knowledge um and yeah it seems like it always happens on like the same day because it seems like it is like a lot of like the same people under multiple names. Um, and you could kind of tell through just like grammar, language, structure of the email, so on and so forth. And yeah, the emails are essentially asking for sometimes it's a moderate number of like three keys, especially if it is some of these folks that are just copy and pasting emails under different names. But sometimes you get egregious things like, hey, I want 25 keys for my premium subscribers, which is the email I received today. And yeah, as Jenny said, sure, they could quote unquote fulfill their duty as a curator and give you a thumb up on the Steam page, but they are going to toss the rest of those keys on CD keys or try to sell them on their own volition. And it is remarkably fucked up. And to reiterate what Jenny said, CD keys and other websites of the sort do not support developers. Um, you are when you buy a key off those websites, 
there is no money going into the dev's pocket. Usually those keys come from folks like myself or Jenny. Um, so yeah, always buy off Steam. Something like Fanatical is fine. Something like uh, 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 Humble Bundle is fine. Like those deals are happening behind the scenes and they are supporting the devs and, and helping make things happen. But a lot of the CD uh, kind of websites that you feel a little a little icky going on, don't do it. Mm-hmm. There is one because um, because I've actually been doing research on Steam curators just because after our conversation last week, I've been like, I need to like I need to know more because I feel like, you know, all of my experience is just my experience. But maybe there's stuff out there that I don't know. Um, but actually, in 2022, there was a solo indie developer um, under the studio Cowcat Games. They ended up doing their own sort of investigation and seeing if they could catch some of these steam curators in the act. Um, I'll drop the link in the show notes really fast because, uh, yeah, I thought this was absolutely wild. Um, but basically what this person did Oh, and I, now I've lost my own access to the link. Hold on. There we go. Um, oh, rock. Yeah. Uh, very, very good game, by the way. Yes, it's, it's a very fun game. And I didn't know this transpired at all. But what this developer did was um, instead of giving a full key to the game, he ended up giving a key to the demo. And so through that, he was able to see whether or not people actually went through and played the game. Um, and also he started getting a lot of positive Steam Creator reviews turned negative. And he believes that that's because when they resold those keys, people got demos instead of the full game. And then the blowback from selling you know the demo keys came back and they decided to change their reviews to not recommended so um i think this actually ended up resulting in valve removing quite a few curators because he was able to connect them to reselling behaviors but yeah so this kind of further reinforced for me like steam curators not a place to go if you're an indie developer or just a publisher in general trying to find ways to like amplify visibility for your game yeah. Is there is there any saving actually, like the curation? Set? Should we just destroy it and start a new? Yeah. It sounds like a cool idea. Like it's a cool idea. Could we? Mm-hmm. Could could it be? I guess it's like it's not saved, right? It's just like if you're on there and I don't know, you are legit. Leave maybe because you're just be you're just you're just with scammers. It's like I all think, scammers and three people. Or <laughs> one thing that at least for me. Um, like I think there's now this element called Creator Connect that Steam has put in where if you are a Steam curator, you want to ask for keys, you're recommended to go through this Curator Connect platform. It's It allows developers through the back end of Steam to give you the keys more securely so you're not actually getting a code. You basically just like get access to the game. And so what it prevents is the reselling component. Mm-hmm. So I think things like that could shift it, but there are so many, like even in the curator emails requests I'll get, they'll say, Oh, but Steam Curator never works. So could you just send me the key, you know, via yeah. email? And so, which is another flag because a legitimate curator wouldn't. They would just say, please do Curator Connect or they just request it via Curator Connect. So I don't know. I would love to see it saved somehow because I do think it's very cool to have this place to like get those recommendations. I follow some Steam Curators like Rock, Paper, Shotgun. I think yeah. is it Splattercat has Steam Curator. Wholesome Games, we have a Steam Curator page. So I think there's potential there, but there has to be more like 
stop gaps and checklists in the system to actually make it harder to become a curator. Like there needs to be some sort of quality control somehow. Yeah. Some sort of like verification process or yeah. uh, something, but yeah, Jack, right. to your point, I think we do just blow it up and <laughs> something new. I don't know. Cause yeah, it is a cool idea and concept, but like all good ideas, people take advantage and <laughs> learn how to fucking game the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and genuinely like, Per game, like in maybe like a singular day, like depending on what the game is, like if it's like a high profile thing or whatever, like you'll get like 100 curator emails. And it just like when you are working in PR and yeah, whether you're working in PR or even like on the game's media side of things, like you don't want 100 emails of just bullshit fluffing up your inbox. It's so infuriating. So if I see steam.cu, I'm like, all right, fucking out of here. I, I don't even read them anymore. And like, I'm sorry if anybody somehow is legit, but like, I, I can't, I don't read them anymore. Well, and I found most of the really legit ones are asking for keys via email anyways. Like a lot of them are creators who have other channels and other means of like communicating with us and posting content. So, um, yeah, I feel like at this point it's not, it's not very useful. Yeah. Aside from like, yeah, like you mentioned, like Rock Paper Shotgun has one. I think Wanderbots has one as well. So like yep. it's like a supplementary kind of tool. Um because there are like I think there are ones that also have like I mean, there's silly ones like with the same energy of can you pet the dog? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you can like find games where you can do certain things in the game. Um, there are ones that also are like accessibility based. So maybe they vet for certain accessibility features, which is really cool. So like, I want to give a shout out to those curators who are really trying to curate in the way that maybe steam intended for it to happen. Um, but yeah, the system is, is very flawed at this point. Yeah. Oh, you, um, uh, unrelated but kind of the cousin of the steam curators y'all mentioned uh and this one you b- briefly touched on on our last episode where the idea of the scams thing came up um like fake youtube channels that oh, look yeah. or like well so what's because i'm you know it's funny i'm looking at the link that you had shared um jenny which we'll have to maybe toss in the show notes like to that Eurogamer article and then i looked into the the twitter thread embedded in the article and then i saw more of the like it's like I'm starting to see now, like, what you guys are, you know, for y'all, you already know, like, what these scams are. But for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess this is, like, they have also screenshots from the fake, the fake gameplay trait. Like, what is this fake YouTube channel situation? And how can people clock it and avoid it? Trying to find an example for you right now, but Jenny, go ahead. Yeah, there's, like, um, well, at least the one last week that we were talking about was uh, channels that I've encountered just on the latest launch of, of the game that I've been working on, Eternites, where um, these channels will typically look very legit and they actually like check all of the boxes that I would normally like quick, quick check if I was looking at a channel. Like, oh, have they been posting regularly for a long period of time? Um, do their videos have like a certain amount of views? You know, so are, are they getting engagement or do they have comments? Um, is there an email in there? All of those boxes, which are usually like the quick basic stuff, they're all checked. Um, but when you actually watch the videos, you'll notice that, um, within the channel, there are multiple voices and it's not like a multi stream, you know, buddy group channel. It's like just supposedly one person. Um, there's different voices that have all very different accents. Some Mm. maybe are different like tones and like, like 
just, it's very, very odd. And then when you actually start comparing across those channels um, that all seem to have the same patterns, a lot of them reuse similar videos. So the reason I caught this the very first time a couple of years back was there was one video that was on one channel. And literally like 30 minutes later, I was looking through another channel. I was like, I thought I just watched this video somewhere else. And it's the same video. And they all have this very like AI almost bot feeling script to yeah. them as well. They don't feel legit <laughs> like when you watch them. So that's what I've been encountering a lot of lately. Yeah, I uh, in the show doc, I just dropped a link to one of them. Uh, hilariously enough, and I this is another red flag, obviously. On August 18th, this channel was called Liaz, L-I-A-Z. But now it's called Brownfish. So that's another aspect. They are changing YouTube channel names and whatever to try to I don't know, trick us, I guess. Haha. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, a quick red flag, even just at a glance. All these titles, it's always game name hyphen. Some bullshit like tagline that is in all lowercase. Every single video I encounter that is fake has that same YouTube title. They all have like 50 to 100K subs. And again, similar to the curators, they get those by whatever means possible um and if you scroll down to the comments uh (laughs) this game review is so well well edited it floats seamlessly from beginning to end this game review was done so well i could tell you put a lot of effort into it your reviews always provide a great balance of both gameplay and story all these are fake youtube accounts so if you go into these users it's all fake Mm mm-hmm so people, you can also tell because like normally creators engage, at least, you know, they'll like a comment, put a comment below. Like that's how most YouTubers will continue to engage with the community. There's never any likes. There's never any comments. It's just a list yeah. of bot comments. <laughs> yeah. So, again, these are after dealing with them for uh, quite a bit. They're pretty easy to spot out. Um, I'll I'll put another one on blast. I mean, on August 18th, it was hoods. Hoods one. Let's see what it is now. It is Dojar. Dojar. Oh, Kingdom Castles, any, Imposing Castle. Maybe it's, are there any scams that you've fallen for or almost fallen for with these? What or I, were they kind of like, this seems weird. And then you kind of quickly sort of started to piece together the the scam trends. When I first started, I definitely fell for some of these. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when I first started like doing like influencer relations and stuff like that, I just see like, oh, 100K subs. Hell yeah. Take a key. That's fine. But then when mm-hmm. you actually get into the vetting process and you actually start listening to uh, some of the videos and some of the voiceover and yeah, you get that AI sensation, that AI sense of things where it feels like somebody is just copying and pasting an article into a voice memo and just recording that VO. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, once you start actually digging into the stuff, it's pretty apparent that they're fake. And like, even like I'm pulling these couple links um, from uh, internal chat from a dev, like devs fall for it all the time. Also, like this was like a genuine question of like, Hey, so Lias, who has 100K, requested a key. Like, you think this is a good fit? And then I had to like explain the whole situation. So, like, mm-hmm. again, it's like surface level, especially when you are so busy balancing key requests and press release yeah. and media questions and interview opportunities and so on and so forth. You see 100K, you're like, cool, just take a key. I got 20 other things to do. So, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the goal of these kind of things. Like, they don't try to hide them that well anymore. So, as long as they could trick, two people out of 10, I'm sure it's a big success for them. Do y'all personally run into much of, since you're more like at, you know, places and not just like versus like a dev who's maybe doing their own PR and they're kind of trying to handle all the things at once. Do you run into a lot of like impersonation 
Because I know that's like one scam I'm familiar with where like I have, mm-hmm. I know like creator people like who have a large following. So people will, you know, like if someone wanted to like fake me or something, I'd be like game on assist at Gmail. And it's like, oh, well, that's a mm-hmm. handle I use or like yeah. whatever. Right. Or any form of like yeah. my name and then emailing people and trying to like, and then they'll be like, hey, where's the video? And it's like, that wasn't me. That was someone else. Like do you run into much of that or is that kind of fallen off over the years? I think it's still like it's definitely still around. It's a little bit less. I've noticed, at least with this particular campaign that I'm working on, more of the like spoof channels as a whole. Because I think folks have started like wising up a little bit in that like I will often double check emails if their email doesn't match. If I'm feeling gracious, I'll message and be like, your email doesn't match. But oftentimes, if I don't have the time, I just won't even reach back out because I'm like the email doesn't match and it'll often be and this is the thing like like Mike was saying they play on the exhaustion of most indie devs because they'll often just like change one letter where it's like barely difficult to see like an I instead of an L or you know like a Y instead of a G you know letters that look like relatively similar especially on a small screen with emails um and Yeah, I remember, like Mike said, when I was very early on, like in the early days of being in the industry, especially when I was doing other stuff on top of like community management and influencer stuff, it's like, yeah, I'll just send a key and you can't check. But especially when now my role is solely to make sure keys go to the right spot and like Mike's is too, um, like I will go in and just we ver- that's why it's important to have your email in your bio and in your YouTube channel about page and all of those places because it allows us to verify because there is still a decent amount of email spoofers as well. Yeah, especially when you're working on a prominent campaign that's like thankfully mm-hmm. like it's going well, people are really interested in the game, so on and so forth. Like you could come across like I I've had campaigns where I had to distribute like over 400 keys just because things were popular and like not all of those were legit. So like in that kind of situation, I will like, if it, whenever it's possible, I try to do it individually one by one. So I actually have like, try to make a connection with the person that I'm actually sending a key to, whether that person gives a shit about my connection or not, that's on them. But I try to like not be a robot, but mm-hmm. when, yeah, when there is times where it's like hundreds of keys and I don't have time to send hundreds of individual emails, I will toss everything in MailChimp and just like send it out as a blanket kind of thing with your key attached. And yeah, that's kind of where people like the scammers win. Cause like you're just preying on my exhaustion and, and I, I can't help it. Um, going back to the, uh, impersonating thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's rarer nowadays, but, uh, even like earlier this year, like I've come across like Wanderbots impersonators, Splattercat impersonators. And thankfully, like we, tend to pitch to them quite often and um we we do have some form of a relationship like they are very aware of like are the work that we do in vicarious pr so like we just shoot them an email be like hey just so you know this email is being used and they're trying to impersonate you and they're trying like there was a case maybe it was late last year like spottercast channel got like suspended for some scammy kind of stuff but obviously mm-hmm. it wasn't his fault um so obviously there is a risk to the creators as well like you're trying to you know it yeah. like Jenna, I'm sure, like, if that happens to you, like, every four games or whatever, you get blacklisted. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's infuriating. But that's why it's important. Like you said, what's nice is that um, if you do have, or even if you don't, if you are communicating with the creator at all, letting them know that that this is happening, um, 
is, is definitely something that we do. So for any creators who are listening and worried that, you know, they might be in danger no, of having no. folks impersonate them, like we got don't worry back. too much, but yeah, folks do check. So, yeah. And it's a, I think we've talked about this before. It's a, sure. It's a big industry, but it's a small industry. Like we all talk to each other. We all know each other. Um, so yeah, we all try, try to have each other's backs. It's video games. You should have fun. You should not be scared of your livelihood. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the Wouldn't that be stuff nice? from earlier. <laughs> I know. But yeah, it, it's it's annoying. But like I it's a practice I try to a practice I try to put into practice. I don't know. Uh is I try not to leave everything for like review day or key day. Like mm-hmm. as as beats are like legit, one of the first things I do every morning is check all my key request forms and vet as I go. Just so yeah. I'm not stuck with 300 requests that I, or 300 emails right. and whatnot that I have to vet. Um, so yeah, as long as like we have the proper time and care, like, yeah, don't worry. We're, we don't blacklist just to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we actually no. take the time and care to like dig into people. And yeah, like I think we mentioned it last week as well. Like put your email everywhere. Like that's like, put it in your Twitter bio or blue sky bio or whatever. Cause like mm-hmm. we are only allowed to check 10 youtube channel business email things a day which is infuriating um it makes our job super difficult i legit have five gmail accounts so i can at least get through 50 a day (laughs) so yeah as long as you make it accessible and and easy for us to verify that you are the person that you say you are that you claim you are you're in good shape wait when you say check what do you mean by that like click the like to reveal it on the about or like what yeah so you you go the you go the about tab and it says view email address oh, i had no idea that had any cap yeah. on it yeah a lot yeah, of people don't <laughs> because i'm i'm because i'm just like a normie for this so like i've clicked that before but usually like on my own channel i just double check that's sure, correct yeah. you know or something but like yeah. yeah that's so interesting um yeah no yeah, i didn't even, realize that was a thing even if you put that email like in your about section like mm-hmm. and just not gatekeeped behind that fucking little button fine yep just somewhere where it's visible, where we don't have to click the. Yeah, the I didn't. I didn't button. realize that that click yeah. meant that it was like, like a because yeah. YouTube doesn't actually communicate to the no, you, no. that to no. you in any way. Not until no, you not hit the limit, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, by the way, stop." You hit your daily limit. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, you're you're not allowed to hit that button again for 24 hours. Mm. And it's so obnoxious because it's a true 24 hours. It does not reset like with a, a calendar on day. The so if I'm like if I save looking for creators emails and checking their emails for the end of the day, I'm like gate kept until the end of the next day. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do it at the end of every day. You know, it's just right. It's, yeah. It's you a gotta 24 hour. Try to reset fun. after a few days. Yeah. It's a exactly. mess. Yeah. It's infuriating. Um, but it's yeah. Infuriating for, a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but for any, I don't know. I, I actually don't, I, I'd be very interested to know if like we have more dev developers that are listening in like industry folks versus maybe players or a hefty mix of both. But like also for, for any indie devs, cause I feel like, it maybe sounds kind of scary and you're like, oh, well, how do I even know who to give a key to? I mean, it, don't stress too much about it. Like, yeah, maybe you'll give your key to a couple of people who don't use it in the way that you hoped. But like generally, most people out there are like, from my experience, it's been very positive and like just like Mike said, spreading it out over a longer period of time. Don't save all of your outreach for like two weeks before the game launches, spread it out. So you have time to like take a quick look at people's channels, get a sense of who they are and don't stress too much about it. Um, yeah. 
life's too short. You have too many other things to do as an indie dev. I have a game <laughs> to make. Fine. Yes. Uh, the other uh, dreaded email that I almost instantly delete right off the bat is these uh, WordPress uh, URLs as well. Yes. Mm. Uh, so I'll read. I'll read an email from Tuesday the twelfth again. I'll put people on people on blast. I don't care. <laughs> Dear all. Hope this email finds you well. I'm hoping you can help me out here as I'm inquiring about the possibility of, re- of featuring a review of your game on my website. My website can be found below. Uh, richschraverreviews.wordpress.com slash blog feed. All I ask is if I could be granted a token for the PC to undertake my review, please. As long as soon as the review is completed, you will be notified when it's up. Any questions before then, please don't hesitate to ask. My website isn't very old. And I'm sure there are far bigger websites out there, but all I ask is that I'm given a chance. Yes, Symphony, fuck you. (laughs) I appreciate you looking out for my email, Richard. And then at least four times they will follow up. Uh, Dear all, we still haven't been assisted with this. Will this happen in the future, please? Thanks, Richard. And they're all the same. Same grammar, same structure, Mm. just different names. And Mm -hmm. even the follow-ups are always like, Hey, any news on this soon? Thank you. Like it's just the most generic fucking thing. They don't reference the they don't reference their, their website. They don't reference um, the game itself. The, why they want to review it? You know, it, it just feels like mm-hmm. a robotic auto kind of thing. That's very predatory. Do you mm-hmm. think? Um, obviously, that one, the red flag is just in how all of it, <laughs> like how it's written. You know, it's how <laughs> it has that. Like it has that. Either this is like a robot or someone who like isn't that great at putting these words together either way maybe not the best yeah. person to give a key to regardless of which one of those is true um but do you do you think the website.wordpress.com has been is so scammer used that like you kind of have like really should go with the taking out the because i know a lot of people that keep the dot wordpress just for the money part of it but do you think yeah. it's like it's so tainted that it's like bro pay the five dollars because like you're gonna get clowned out with the scammers kind of thing or like if someone was legit in their approach with the dot wordpress would that be okay do you think what's your advice there if somebody's legit it's totally fine like not everybody could afford right. a, a, like a, a wix subscription a square sure, sure. subscription anything like that so it's totally fine and like i again i know what to at this point i know what to look for in terms of like the grammar the structure like how you ask for the key if you are uh, um, following up with me like three or four times with the same kind of response instant red flag and also i just dropped the link to this dude's wordpress if you go on it it does it no longer exists (laughs) so like Mm -hmm. i will also go on the website yeah Yeah. i will go i will go on the website his career yeah exactly (laughs) yes because he couldn't review pathfinder i just broke his fucking career oh pathfinder is sweet though i'm not gonna lie (laughs) this is a pretty sick game um sometimes it's all it takes you know we're on the edge already yeah that's true i'm sorry richie um but yeah, like we also like go on the websites and like we see like when's the last time you posted or if it right. is like a if it is still a scammy thing, but it's a WordPress kind of thing, we will see like, are you posting reviews? Are you straight up copy and pasting from another outlet? If you are legit, uh, you know, is it your own words? Are, are you posting regularly? Are you like doing a thorough kind of like a thing? Like, are you, are you right. using the key to your full extent? Uh, there's also tools like to check out, like we use similar web quite a bit um, just to see like what's the traffic of the website look like and i'm not somebody somebody who like gatekeeps keys unless it's out of my control and like the dev only wants like top tier websites or whatever i'll give anybody a key i'll give anybody a chance everybody has to start somewhere mm-hmm. but yeah if you're if you're not being authentic or genuine about it i'm gonna send you to the fucking ghouls you know what i'm saying sure mm-hmm. <laughs> sure <Ghouls. laughs> 
Yeah. And I think, yeah, from the, the, the influencer side of things, it's like, it can be really intimidating to ask for keys. But again, I think any influencer who's messaged me, who's like very, very small, you know, just trying to do their best. I very, very rarely am like, no, sorry, we can't give you a key. Um, I think, you know, there is something to be said, and maybe this is a larger conversation about like, when are you ready to ask for keys as an influencer? Cause I think, um, you have to understand from like the business side of things, even though like folks like Mike and I, we want to try to be as generous as possible. There is a small element of like, we do have to figure out some sort of a return. This is a business interaction. Um, even if there isn't like money changing hands. And so it's important to recognize that. And maybe as a creator, if you have like on Twitch, maybe only one person concurrent, you know, averaging, like that may not be a sign that you're ready to get a key to do this kind of work, but it doesn't mean like, um, you know, we're not trying to discourage people from asking. It's just, there are these patterns that we see, uh, from scammers that are very easy to us. And I think most humans would never fall into any of this kind of pattern, uh, right. on their own naturally. Yeah. It's a lot, mm-hmm. but we have good eyes. Yeah, I have like the the bullshit detector is like really strong, I feel like in terms of content, at least like there are weird specific things on the Internet that I can look at now and just be like, oh, yeah, like, scam. oh, yeah, 100%. oh, yeah, this is totally made up. Like I can look it's, at a channel your, uh, and, in an instant. Just know <laughs> this point. It's your mantis shrimp eyes. It is. Oh, my God. I have them now. There you um, go. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else we're missing on the PR side of things, like on the dev side of things? I think those are those are the biggies. Yeah, those are the big ones. I think Twitch is in Twitch is a little bit harder uh, in terms of like to to spoof because you can see like folks live. But I think a lot of the yeah. same patterns kind of apply. There was a period I don't I don't see this as much anymore. But there was a period where I would get channels where they would upload other people's vods, and so mm. you would see like yeah. content from various people who are definitely not that channel and definitely other streamers. Um, where I'd be like, I actually. I think I know this streamer and they're not, this isn't their handle. And Have you I, ever seen uh, yourself? Would that be wild? No, that would be so weird. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so bizarre. Um, so on Twitch, that used to be much more of a thing. I feel like I haven't come across it that much lately. Um, but I remember like two years ago, that was a big thing for some reason. Yeah. Even um, I'm, I'm just like going through like request forms and stuff just to like remind myself if, in case I miss mm-hmm. anything, um, uh, an instant red flag also if, if you request more than like two keys two to three keys yeah i was thinking of that too where Mm -hmm. it seems like most people would not need very many i mean obviously there's like if you're an outlet you might have like i don't know but even that would probably be a tiered request like one for my reviewer and ideally like four for people on a podcast and then it's like sometimes you only get the one for the reviewer or the one for the you know and then that's kind of just Mm -hmm. a or you get one early and maybe more later or something um but yeah, I can't really see a lot of reasons why anyone would like need more than two. Like me, like you yeah, know, multiplayer like, game is kind of the max. Like one for me and right. someone to play with, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, when when Evan Lavati from PC Gamer asks for five keys, yeah, Evan's getting five keys. It's fine. But when uh, Ginopi, who when I when I ask for outlet myself, I write for myself though I spend a lot of time on Discord too, and he's asking for oh I think I probably need a dozen or more for my personal reviewing needs. Obviously, no. You're not getting a dozen keys, Gnoopy. Gnoopy. Playing it on every platform known to man. <laughs> Just <laughs> the ones that don't even exist yet. Like, my goodness. Yeah. So that, that's an obvious red flag also. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Jenna, I want to switch over to the flip side, the media yeah. side of things. That sounds great. I'm excited freelance, to learn. Freelance Ooh. traps. Yeah. We don't have, ours aren't like scams and what, how you guys discuss yeah, ours are the fun. scams because yours are like literal scams. It's like, oh, <laughs> like I said I would do this and I'm just doing something totally different. I'm selling the keys on the side, which I'm so curious. I'm like, is that making, is someone paying their bills with like, I don't know. I guess people scam for a living. So maybe yeah. they got a couple of scam hustles and this is one. I'm not really sure. The closest we get to what y'all are describing is like someone trying to maybe get press credentials for an event or something or or maybe keys. I don't know. You know, through false falsified, you know, credentials or exaggerated credentials. That's like the closest we get to that kind of thing. Freelance traps, I think, would be more. Yeah, we have traps. We don't have scams. We have traps. <laughs> um, some of these traps, sometimes you walk into a trap because you're like, you know what? I'd rather eat what's underneath that cage than nothing at all. So yeah, I think that's a little bit of of uh, of the freelance life. But um, I definitely, so everything you do is up to you uh, in your career and how you want to build it. Uh, I personally never want to say, Blanket statement, don't work for free, knowing damn well I worked for free. So, you know, uh, I will say, do you know who I worked for free for? Exactly. Uh, so did it matter? Probably not <laughs> is the situation, right? Um, and it's not just like a clout thing. That's just a, you know, I had a, a writer once tell me, I asked like, oh, should I work for free? And they said, if a place can't afford to pay you, they probably don't look that great on your resume to begin with. And I'm like, damn, you're right. I'm like, games, 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 dot WordPress, dot games isn't the big step up I thought it would be. And again, that's not the shade small. I know that's not the shade smaller stuff because like I run my own outlet, pen to pixels. It currently is just me. It might always just be me. Um, And I'm sure, you know, you can look at that and say, yeah, but like you have the cloud of your other stuff and, you know, we can play theoretical if we want to, but like I'm not the only small outlet that exists that, you know, does coverage and like is able to cover games and and write. Um, I personally feel like as far as writing for free, you could always write for free, but for yourself. Um, I think one of the pitfalls in the writing for free situation is when it's kind of for a bigger team where we're not all on the same page. Like if I want to get together, like I think this show is a great example, right? Like we are not making any money off this show currently. Maybe we will one day. I don't know. But we're kind of just doing this for you know, different reasons, right? Our own edification. We get along. We thought it'd be fun. It's a big mix of things. Are there Jill benefits? To, yeah, exactly. Pressure from Jill. Yeah. Um, she's so she strong. She, yeah, she she's said she beat us up just like she beats up Unity if we didn't do this. So exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, the you know, we love uh, you, Jill. <laughs> people pleasing. Like, there's a lot of reasons to right. But we all we feel like we're getting something out of it, and that's why we're here. I think working for free for a website should be the same deal. Maybe you're a duo kicking it off. Maybe you're a group of freelance writers who are like, Hey, I want a place for the pitches that don't land. I'm going to set up a little blog. Do y'all want to just put your stuff up on the blog if you want? And we make a little crew. That's totally great. Like, I love that stuff. Bonus. If you can, you know, do stuff where you can generate income through like, you know, a Kickstarter, a Patreon, whatever. Like I think most writers, right. We want to support each other. We want to see each other get paid. It's passing the same $50 around. Um, I think the number one scam with working for free is, or working for really so low that it might as well be free where it's like, oh, I get $300 for 33 articles a week or something. You know, it's like, okay, well, and again, if you need that $300 and you're okay with what's happening for now, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't pay your bills. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to take that. But you'll notice that a lot of these kind of mid to lower tier sites 
look at who owns the site and who owns the site that owns that site. Because I'm guessing that company is pretty big, makes a lot of money. And they often, in my opinion, trade on the labor that they can't afford to pay more for. So they'll kind of give you this, woe is me, we're so small, if we could pay more, we would. But how do they stay established and how do they develop the name they do have? It's off of the labor of underpaid or unpaid workers. It's like, you might want to write for, you know, um, games.games.games, right? Because it's like, oh, well, people know games.games.games. They have 14K on Twitter and I only got... 40 people or whatever the case may be. But like, how did they gain that? It was through you. So I think a lot of times writers will sort of not realize how valuable their work actually is and not realize that like you actually built it and you're trying to like get clout off them having gotten like the clout from the exploitation. And now you're joining in the ex in being exploited. And now when you leave, they're going to just keep doing it and they're going to do it forever. And then, you know, even worse, they can mention, oh, so we, and that's why they have these stories. Like we have writers who go off to Polygon and IG. It's like, yeah, but did you cult, you know, like, uh, I don't, I don't know if you're out here crafting incredible talent off like a mom and pop shop. I think this is a big corporation that assigns way too much work, churns through writers and they can keep doing it because people are desperate, thirsty, and eager to write about games. And, the, and we all work for very little in this industry. And when you start off, you work for even littler and it's, um, and they know that they know that if they're not going to get it from you, they're going to get it from somebody else and they will, and they'll keep doing it and they'll get their, you know, 30 K 50 K hundred K, whatever they have. Um, but they'll still tell you that they can't afford it. Um, I always look at those sites now that I'm like further in my career and I'm like, if you can't afford to have workers, then you can't afford to have articles up on your website. Like, I don't have any money for a budget right now for pen pixels either. And that's why I don't have any articles that aren't written by me. And I've gotten, I think too, like people have to realize how you're so eager to have like this other like cloud from something when you can establish that for yourself. And again, I know people will look at what I've done and, and say, well, you know, I, I had IGN, I had kind of funny, I had all this other stuff, but again, I didn't always have that stuff. And I still always had like my own blog, my own thing, like, People have hit me up so many times asking to write for my website for free. Like literally just being like, oh, I, you don't have to pay me. I like just want to write something. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, also, I wish you didn't send me this. You don't, don't tell people this, you know, um, open up a tab and just write it yourself. Um, obviously there's benefits to having a team and having editors and things. Um, and there are times where it can be beneficial. I wrote for like a small site called um, Big Cultures way back in the day, which I think has died and then maybe been resurrected. And that was pretty much free, but it was kind of like a small group and there was no like higher corporation. It was just like a little team. So that, that didn't feel as, as jank as some of the other work I went on to do, where it was like five news stories a day, five days a week for $500 a month, $25 a review that, that wasn't good, you know, like, um, yeah. So that's kind of, I think the situation that we really fall into. So I think the, the TLDR is if you're going to write for free or write for very low pay, um, really know what you're getting into make sure you're getting something big out of it. Um, and also make sure that the people who are doing this are, you know, it's like one person, two people, like a small team um, and not like a really big corporation or also not a big, uh, not someone that has like a huge team. I think at a certain point, like, okay, if you're generating some income, but it's like you grow too big and now you're like, well, if I pay the 50 writers, but we only make $5,000, I'm still only going to pay you. It's like, yeah, but you kind of, 
you you built it unsustainably and now it's and now you're telling me that you can't like leave the exploitation that you yourself created it's like there there is unfortunately i think indie exploitation in the press side um and they'll tell you your sad story about how well, i'm just one person i'm like yeah but you're one person with a team of 50 writers that look up to you and that you have to take some accountability somewhere in that so um so yeah be careful don't try not to get too exploited and try not to also exploit people either because i think at a certain point that can become easy to do because everyone's eager so they're like oh i could write for ten dollars an article sure ten more dollars than i had and it's like yeah but maybe there's a different way to go about it that's more beneficial for you that builds up you and your thing because also they can throw their site under the bus at any time or they can like end it and then i i mean i know many 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 writers whose entire portfolios are gone <laughs> in an instant. Um, so yeah, back up your stuff, make your own thing. No one can shut you down but you. And there's something that's always really powerful in that. So, um, you know, self or your own project is un is in, like unemployment insurance in this industry, like having your own thing. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, you'll always have like some kind of consistent, I'm in the biz, I'm here, I'm putting out work. But yeah, that's our our biggest trap scam thing it's very it's so much scarier on your side of things granted i still have one foot in the media door as well with six oh, one yeah. but like it's horrifying we just have to deal with assholes but you have to deal with like assholes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think um i don't know i guess the the difficulty of there not really being a roadmap you know i think there's a lot of I don't know how to get in here. So I'm just going to kind of like start elbowing my way through, you know, it's very mosh pity, but not in a fun way. It's like a mosh pit, but people are getting hurt like really bad. It's like, Oh no, like this is someone should shut this down. <laughs> this is how it's supposed to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think people get, get psyched out about that a lot, but um, yeah, always, always build your own thing a little bit to some degree. Um, you can do it. We're all just every, all your faves were just people before they were big creators. Yeah, like you were saying earlier, like we're not going to punish you for having a WordPress website. You can make a WordPress website because we'll know really quickly who are the genuine folks yeah. and who are the the bullshit folks. Even if you have like a Tumblr, Wix, no, you can do a free honestly, Wix website. Mm -hmm. Like there are ways to do it. Yeah, the um, well, I was going to say just especially now in this age where, um, like Twitter isn't the only primary platform people are using for social like i've seen creators reach out to me with their tumblers i've had yeah. instagram is kind of seeing this not resurgence but just like bl blossoming i guess as a creator friendly like gaming creator friendly platform so it's like TikTok. yeah tiktok absolutely so yeah um yeah i was just gonna mention that one of the the writer that i referred to that i like asked about like the working for free it was austin walker um mm. and he mentioned that like people knew him from his Tumblr blog. Like I think it was called like clockwork worlds or something. He's like, people yeah. literally have recognized me from this. And it's like a nothing small thing I did a million years ago, um, which I don't know if he's since resurrected. Cause I think he's also like, he's done a couple of posts in his post press kind of creative Avenue field that he's now sort of occupying. Um, but yeah, you always have that. And that's like, that is only going to increase in value if you stick with it. Like, no, you know, no one listened to like my podcast bit by bit for the most part, right? It was really small, but like now, like I can put out something and like way more people listen to it, but like I'm still the same person cranking out stuff. It's just that over time, eventually you sort of start to break through and you, you don't actually necessarily break through at some of those, I think 
smaller places that you might feel like, well, I need to start here. Like if I, I have to start here because the beginning has to be scrappy and it, it kind of does, but it doesn't need to be you building up someone else necessarily. Um, especially if you're not really getting anything out of it again, edits and stuff can be cool, but also like, who's that editor? Is it just you, but with like in a different font? Cause that's like not necessarily, you know, going to be fire edits to begin with. Like what are their skills, what are their qualifications? You know, it's, it's a whole thing to look at more holistically instead of just saying, okay, well this site, it gets clicks and it has maybe this many followers. So it's inherently like a step up. Again, there are skills to learn of like working with people and being on Slack. And like, I got value out of that gig that paid me $500 a month, but also I was done after like, after like a few months to a year, I'm like, I really got to leave because like, it's not worth the time and the energy or anything. Mm. And you know, maybe they pay a little more now, but I don't think so. And they're still very much up and running and nice and healthy and great and owned by a big company. Um, so yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. It's easy to start your own thing. I think we obviously Janet explained it to exhaustion. Like we all start our own things. Like I'm sure all, everybody has their own origin story. Like with the six, one side of things. Yeah. Again, horrible thing to say. Thank God for lockdown. That's how I got my start really. Um, just being able to grind out pieces, like just yeah, doing the free Wix thing for a little bit until my unemployment checks came through, and then Hell finally yeah. paying paying mm-hmm. for the the at the time it was like fifteen bucks a month just to host a website without the stupid little Squarespace sticker, um, and just trying to knock out pieces, and eventually, yeah, you gain the trust from PR folks, you you start to garner that relationship with developers, and yeah, you just like grind it out for a little bit on your own. You'll eventually become a familiar name again everybody talks to each other it's a small industry so it's it's you don't have to succumb to yeah 10 articles for 10 or would you say like 10 bucks for like an article Awful. yeah although i was like i was getting articles. yeah i was getting 20 25 for a review um or a feature and i was getting i guess like five dollars per news article because like 25 um, a week, yeah, about right, right, yeah, about yeah. maybe a little bit more, about five dollars so an article, a news article. Money. I know, and then the what the thing is too, I was never fast at writing news either, so I'm like, this is taking so long, yeah, just to get like twenty five dollars today, yeah, and I'm like, only a hundred left until I make rent for the month. <laughs> oh my gosh, God, even like it was a stressful about a review. time. Like thinking about a fucking review, like God forbid you're trying to review like Final Fantasy or some shit that takes hundred yeah. hours. To- the way I bought a used PSVR one for that job and then never made the money back that I spent on the PSVR one because it takes too many $25 reviews for yeah. VR games to actually make it back. Um, but I was like, well, I need to get more reviews. And if I own the headset, no one else can review the game because only I have that. Yeah. No um, <laughs> yeah. It, it worked in a sense, but in another sense, it didn't. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, God, wow. that's awful. It's so Scam. interesting, like how... Um, I think one thing, like one takeaway from this for me is just like knowing that these things take time. I think, especially when I got into the industry, I was like, oh man, everyone's already at like the top. Everyone's already in these cool spaces. And I like, if I want to be there, I have to be there like tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm, I should be there today. And what's really interesting is like, you don't see how long it takes some people to build and grow and like put in the time and investment and work and like 
get to build those relationships because, you know, as we've been saying this whole time, it is a small industry. We all like everyone is there's like six degrees of separation to pretty much everyone in the games industry. I feel like, like you know, someone who knows someone you can find anyone in the games industry by tapping just a few people. Yeah. And so like understanding that from whatever standpoint you're in, whether it's PR or as a developer, anything like that, knowing that sometimes it just takes time. And that's sort of unfortunate because nobody wants to hear that, especially in this day and age, but that's the reality of it. So like, if you didn't get a key this time, maybe you maybe just have to build a relationship, like send a thank you for considering me. I'll talk to you next time email. Um, You know, like I've had creators, honestly, like I didn't send them a key because I was like, hey, you're not really a fit for this campaign. Like they were a little bit too small and they just didn't have any content. And they were like, that's okay. I ended up picking up the game anyway. Here's the content I made. And that for me, I was like, awesome. This is great. Like I would love to work with you in the future because you're showing me this like willingness to build a relationship over time. Um, And even if you're not able to like pick up a game, even just like putting out a tweet or a post or whatever, like showing you're willing to invest time in things is really important in this industry, especially because I think so many of us are maybe tentative because things are so like fluid and moving, like people are in and out so quickly. It's uh, also sometimes like hard to feel like you can build a relationship, but it's important to do that. Yeah. I think too, I mean, this is almost dipping into another topic, so I don't want to go too in in depth on it. But what you mentioned too, like obviously you need time and like I get like the there's financial aspects to things which is why a lot of people do work you know a day job and they kind of grind at this like in their spare time on the weekends whatever their situation may be um but yeah like if you want to go do something like go out there and do it again that's going to be different for everyone we all have different circumstances whether it's financial stuff holding you back like medical stuff holding you know like uh family obligations kids no you know like there's all these different factors that we have to deal with to see what what we want out of life, what we want to have this career, if we want to explore the space, you know, like, hey, you can try it out. And if it sucks, like, you just quit. Like, you know, it's like, whatever, like, just do something else. Like, you don't have to continue pursuing it. But yeah, like, there's, you don't need codes to do coverage. Like, you do need codes to do, like, coverage and embargo. And I get that that's an exciting, fun, cool thing to do. But, you know, I was, I started out just playing the games regularly. Like, I got, like, the first keys I ever got were, like, mobile games. Like, when I worked at, like, a mobile site for free when I did it just for fun where I was like this seems like a way to spend some time and I'm like oh cool a game and then I write about it this is cool and then I was like this is my whole life um but <laughs> yeah I remember like when literally when Spider-Man for the PS4 came out like I was really really broke at that time and I like got that from Redbox you know like you can make the and then mm-hmm. I think too like I really encourage want to encourage people to lean into their weaknesses and make it a strength like for me it's like you know okay well like I couldn't afford Resident Evil Biohazard to buy like as a full out game. So I red boxed it and I turned it into like fun weekend content with my friend who I was doing the podcast with. And that's how we did it. Or like, okay, maybe you can't get like codes for, you know, Baldur's Gate and maybe you can't afford to buy Baldur's Gate, but you can, you know, play like indies or maybe get codes through indies. Or even if you can't get indie codes, you can go on like Steam Next Fest and do like demo. Like there's ways Mm -hmm. to do game coverage no matter what in different ways like itch.io is a thing like and those are still which i don't know i think it also depends on like what you want like the truth is some people just want the end and they don't want the process but i'm yeah. like you have to kind of like the process to get to the end like you're not going to get to do the fun fancier stuff if you don't just genuinely enjoy 
doing coverage or highlighting things or whatever your angle is. Um, if your angle is just like, I want to play, you know, Spider-Man too early and talk about it on a podcast and make $70,000. It's like, well, none of those things exist <laughs> in this industry. You know, it's like what you see and what you imagine is such a small sliver of what a lot of those people do. Like there's so many facets to it. So um, yeah, just be, be honest about what you really want to do and what you enjoy. Um, and I think for the most part, I like to think life will give it to you at a certain point. Um, maybe the truth is you just don't enjoy having to do this, which is fair. It's a hellscape. And a lot of people leave oh, and it they're is. happier when they leave. And that's fine too. It's like, mm-hmm. if that's your bliss, get out. Cause it's not going to get <laughs> any better either. But you know, there's still a lot of great things to love about it. And I think that's why so many people are here still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think just like tying it back into the traps kind of thing. Like again, do your own thing. Like even before six went indie, like I, I kind of account like the true start of the grind, like to, PAX East 2018 where we would mm-hmm. buy the fan badges and me and Kyle would go like at the break of fucking dawn and be corralled like all the cattle in the fucking show floor and just scope out the booths like okay you hit the bobber you hit Annapurna you do this you do that come back together at night do the podcast and like you were saying once the start getting into the writing game next fest even outside next fest like hey what cool game has a demo okay cool there's our previews yep like there are ways to do it there's ways to do the grind without outside resources and yes we're all eager to i think jenny like you said like we're all eager to reach the top like right away but it ain't gonna happen tomorrow like i said that shit was 2018 for me that was five yeah five years ago isn't that unreal Um, that 2018 was five years ago it does not feel like that there's it's like how like 2012 was like seven years ago right like yeah it's weird like back when i was in college two years ago or like six years ago like it's like oh my god why is that so long ago and like after you you know if you're lucky enough like there there will be opportunities that come across like maybe you do find a strategic partner that like your visions align and they could they do have like benefits that they could provide aside from just being ghouls and taking advantage of you um sure go for it fuck yeah but yeah just just be careful don't get taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and don't take advantage of other people yeah that is our episode of dateline 2020 (laughs) how about some fun stuff video games finally (laughs) this is what it's all been about baby let's go the gamers are in session janet Yes. It happened. It happened. It's here. You have joined the Goobies gang. I have. Along with Jill. Yeah. So first oh, off, man. Okay, so Jenny, where, where are you at? Please. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I need to join the Goobies gang. I'll do it. It's I'll play so this good. weekend. I, 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 while Jill is away, I formally uh, put a motion to rename this podcast Goobies gang, the Gooby gang corner. <laughs> nice we can put whatever well actually jenny can put whatever she wants in the yeah. spotify it's true it's very true that's that's the episode title here we go <laughs> this depressing ass episode yep that's the title janet yes what do you think of game of the year goobies <laughs> honestly i really liked it this is such a funny one Fuck for me yeah. because um i never played vampire survivors uh and i still haven't yeah. um and yet here we are, you know, and it's funny because I was like joking. Obviously, Vampire Survivors, really acclaimed game. Everyone loves it. Everyone's it's so good. So but whatever. Right. This is like a similar style in terms of like auto going, you know, rogue like auto shooter situation. But everything's goo and they're goo people. And that's the difference. And like. You know, what can I say? I'm a simple gamer. Like, like I don't know, vampire survivors. Am I the vampire? Am I the survivor? I just, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's enough for me to just not get around to it. 
But Gooby's still took me a while to get around to it. Not going to lie. But I'm like, that's fine. I am interested in the fact that they're little goo blobs. Um, well, the the Goobies, they're, they're a dense material. It takes some time to sink in. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, something about the shape spoke to me. And also you spoke to me on the podcast about the game. Um, but Yeah, I mean, genuinely. So, but straight up, like the aesthetic, the vibe is very charming to me. I love something that's cute. I love something that's derpy. I really get a kick out of, I don't know, the, it's funny because I have a high appreciation for dense storytelling, intense narratives, but also like the dumbest thing in games possible. Like those are my kind of two favorite ends of the spectrum. So the fact that there's like, you know, a character named Dizzy Wizzy. It's like, stop, stop selling you sold, you know? Um, but it's, it's exactly as you described, you know, it's an auto um, shooter. You're sort of roaming around. There's different. So all, all of them goobies. Oh yeah. Oh, so they're uh, all goob- goobies, the good guys, the bad guys. The, like we're all yeah. goobies, right? We're all, we're all goobies we're all, here. We're all in the okay. goobie society. So when you select your goob, um, they have yeah, like different, yeah, your little goob. Yeah, they have different attributes. Um, you start out with just like the basic one, which I was just like a little blob. Um, I still only played as a little blob. I forgot their name, but they're a little blob buddy. I know. Um, D- Dizzy Wizzy, I know because I'm looking right at it on the Steam screenshots. <laughs> but they have d- different like a- elements like, uh, you know, HP, speed, damage, um, little sticks. And then as you go, you gain XP and then you can use that XP to either unlock additional sort of buffs or abilities or stats or you can um, unlock more xp depending on the role sort of and you have these different enemies you also have like a a boss that will appear at one point um it's this is an interesting game for me because it's part of it is really um chill in that it's like fairly simplistic gameplay you're sort of just selecting an ability and letting it run wild and then part of it's like really stressful as i'm kind of trying to to squeeze between like the two pieces and then you're sort of playing with builds um really easily which is fun where like i had one build that was very like buffed up in terms of regaining hp i forgot what it's called it's called like the they all have funny names to the cards it'll be like you know stacker jack or something and it's like you stack up like points or something like they all have silly little names to them um so i had one that was like a super buffed kind of tanky one but then i noticed eventually i got too slow for some of the new enemy types that got introduced so i kind of like how again the simplicity the aesthetic the kind of pastels the derpiness of the of them all being goobies and then the ways that it sort of pushes you into differentiated builds based on the different waves of enemies that you encounter as you go on and on um to the break of dawn as some would say but yeah it's a fun time it's a blob bath as the steam page says i took too long to get to goobies don't make that mistake Go to Goobies now, developed and published by Knives, which is, it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better is the thing. It's very charming. And there's a demo available, but also the game itself is like six bucks. So um, not to shade you if you don't have the six bucks, but like, I don't know. Do, but why you can still download games without being afraid it's going to bankrupt people. Download this one. (laughs) Yeah. um, What do you think of the sound effects? I like the sound effects. Also, sometimes the soundtrack like hits. I wouldn't say it's like, the best soundtrack ever by any means, but there are times where like certain tracks are like really banging and it's kind of like this weird nightclub goo vibe, which I appreciate. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the wife is uh, worked over, worked up about a can of beans that are missing from the grocery order. <laughs> so no, I'm texting good. to make sure she's okay. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. I, I live that uh, Instacart order life a lot, especially during Dude, the pandemic. And you never knew what you would get. And I'm like, I hope it's not missing the thing I really need. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, that is that was what was really needed tonight because I the hear beans, a lot of yeah. downstairs. <laughs> That's rough. Oh. 
Well, uh, y'all convinced me. I just bought Goobies, so I yes. can't this weekend. Yes. It's also just so fun to say Gooby Gang. And then I'm like so fun to say Gooby Gang. <laughs> in in my um in my apartment in the yeah, in the in the vein of Gucci Gang, we go Gooby Gang, Gooby Gang, Gooby Gang, which is really hard to say three times <laughs> fast, Gooby but Gang, Gooby Gang. Gooby Gang, it's Gooby it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's I, downloading. I'm gonna play some Goobies tonight, I think. Hell yeah. Also, it is so really quick. A, oh, yeah, so it's, when it's not, quick, but then it's fun, play. you know? So yeah. it's like, all right. Yeah, I think Does like my have... best run was like. Oh, a half I was hour, just I, I was gonna ask um maybe for Mike if you've played Vam excuse me, Vampire Survivors. Um because yeah. Vampire Survivors has like that 15 minute countdown basically. Yeah. So you know, or however long I'm forgetting because it's been a minute, but you know how long like each run is gonna take. Does it work like that where it's like you have this much time to like try and get as much done in your run as possible, or is it just like forever? You oh Jenny, just... it counts it counts up. Oh, it counts up. Okay. It counts up nice. how long you can last. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How long can okay. you goop? <laughs> All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. And something like it does, you know, Jenny, you haven't played Vampire Survivors. Or is this your only Survivors like that you've played so far? Yeah. Ooh. So the kind of interesting twist that Goobies presents <laughs> <laughs> um, when you defeat a boss, you kind of go like go through like uh, like a roulette wheel will pop up yeah. and that will give you like an extra skill. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes it'll like upgrade your skills by like times three times two whatever like yeah. anything like that there's also like an embedded achievement system where like if you do certain things in the game you will unlock perks for successive mm-hmm. runs cool. so like one of the first things you get is like like vampire survivors or other survivors likes it will auto aim or you unlock this perk you can control aim with the right stick so if you are more of that active player you could do that as well I put that on and I instantly turned it off. I was like, nope, you you do your thing, Gooby, Gooby Boy. Yeah, I, I had the same feeling where I'm like, finally. Then I'm like, actually, I don't want to do this. I just want to <laughs> run around in circles until it all like takes care of itself. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just here now. I don't know if I should go to other yeah. Survivor life. I think that I just live here. And this will just be my weird fact about myself that I've only played this one. <laughs> I really want that for you. <laughs> Also, I think, are we having the most serious discussion uh, and deep discussion of Goobies of anyone on the internet? Because I feel like that's got to be true, right? Yeah. We're the the one percenters of the Gooby gang. The Gooby influencers. The Gooby influencers. We'll have to, um, even though. No, we'll work on it. The the Goobenheimer? I don't know. It's like something there. Um, (laughs) Goobenheimer. It's it's Goobin time. Um, (laughs) We'll have to share our stats in the Discord and then report back to people, even though I'm sure my stats mm-hmm. will be, like, kind of abysmal. But I have my moments where I'm like, oh, then I crawl over all this XP and I just roll through it. Oh, I, still so gotta, I still got to try playing with other other goo people, but, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I know uh, Jill unlocked Hoozy Woozy recently. Yeah, yeah um, she did put that in Slack. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very excited to Discord, hear. Discord, rather, right. I'm very yeah. excited to hear Jill's thoughts next week. And Jenny's. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Uh, Jenna, you also played the many pieces of Mr. Koo. Yes. Which looks incredible. Yeah, I, I got I this. I know nothing about this game. I got, this is a, I'm, so I'm just like stealing Jill's calendar, to be honest. I, on the Indian former, she has a calendar up. How often does she update it? Either all the time or not. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to collect the data, you know? Yeah. So course. I was like, that calendar, freaking copy paste. But genuinely, I did, I did start looking at it and I built myself a game calendar in Notion for myself that like, how much will I update it? So you're copying Jill's work. Yeah, I'm just copying Jill's work. Sure, but okay. I'm doing it based on, you know, again, I use it the way anyone would use this stuff. What speaks to you? So I looked at like upcoming releases and I was like, okay, cool. That's when Paleo Pines is coming out. And I saw this. 
the many pieces of Mr. Koo or Ko or whatever it is. I started playing it last night. This is, it is, uh, it's, it's good. It's really cool. It is trippy as all hell. So let me set up what this game is. It is, I'll just read straight from the description on Steam. A whimsical point-and-click adventure with a surrealist story, astounding hand-drawn animation, and hilarious puzzles. Uh, Mr. Koo is trapped and broken in pieces, but most of all, he has no idea what's going on. Is that a giant chicken over there? This is such a funky game because, well, again, the animation's all, it's like a, it's it's really just like a surrealist cartoon, like an old-school cartoon. There are also sometimes occasional smatterings of art styles where you'll see a scene where there's the titular, like Mr. Ko or Mr. Koo, however you pronounce it, and he's all cartoony, sometimes in like an environment that's like hyper realistic. And it's like, it is honestly a fever dream to play. Like at one point, there's literal like human hands, almost like FMV style, but stylized, like coming into frame. And then there's like a weird clock. And then you're sort of inter- interacting with the foreground, the background, like, and everything operates on cartoon logic. So the game is simultaneously fairly intuitive and not intuitive at all because things don't work. They work in like bizarro cartoon logic. So it'll be something like you grab a thought bubble and you can turn it into a rain cloud. And that rain cloud, if you drop it in regular ground, can grow a mushroom. And then when you press down on that mushroom, another one pops up. So it's you're sort of learning the language of the world over and over again. And it changes per each scene almost. Um, there are a couple of like little hint systems and things that sort of gesture you towards the solutions. And there's a literal hint system in the game, which is beautiful. Love when puzzle games have a hint oh, system. But yeah, mm-hmm. it is it honestly, I was playing that I was playing on Steam Deck. Works great on deck too. Um the the technical statement is like, we don't know how it works on deck, but I think it works great. You just can just use the touchpad. You can also use the touch screen, but I think the pad works well as the mouse. Um I was playing this last night for like, I don't know, half an hour, four to five minutes. At one point, wide-eyed, my mouth just completely open, just staring into it because <laughs> every single moment of this, you never knew what would happen next. It was like a, it was delightful, but also kind of disturbing. So like, if you were into weirdo art stuff and puzzle games, I think this is kind of like a must to at least check out because it's unlike anything I've ever played. And I think they do a, a pretty solid job at crafting the puzzles themselves. So it's supposed to be pretty short. I think like a cool. a two to max four hour kind of experience so we'll see if this is what i can see through to the end but uh i literally never you you have no way of predicting what's going to happen next at any instant uh it's well, so- yeah, if you scroll all the way down to this on the steam page you just see half a man kicking a, a bottle of eyeballs yeah i'm all yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's it's <laughs> it's super trippy it's like very like almost it makes alice in wonderland look hype very tame you know it's just like anything could turn to anything at any time and it's sort of twisting in on itself it's it yeah it's like a surrealist set of russian nesting dolls almost uh it's trippy but yeah check it out uh the many pieces of mr co apparently it's also on some consoles as well i think it's on oh playstation and maybe switch but i'll grab those as people are maybe stayed on okay it's on switch for sure yeah ps5 switch ps4 xbox one don't know how it runs on those because it's a point and click. Keep in mind that in mind. Sure, but yeah. again, on deck, I've been enjoying it a lot. Yeah, what this that looks tro- really what's that cool. What's trophy list look like? You know what I'm saying? What? What's that trophy list look like? Probably oh, ah, gosh, I have no idea. I mean, I think it'd be super fun as like a little platinum, but I don't know if it has one offhand. Um, maybe I'll hunt for that too, and I'll swing back it, before the end of the show to. It does to have a platinum. State that out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, I maybe check it out on PS5 because. 
I imagine it won't be too bad. You know, use a use the cur- the stick as the mouse, but like it just depends on how you feel about that in games, I guess. Yeah, it's probably just a little slow, but yeah. whatever. Oh, beat the game without hints? No, you lost me. Mm, yeah. Steam Deck it is. Yeah. <laughs> Can you like I wonder, do you have to do that your first I imagine you could do that like on a replay though. Oh, probably. You know? Mm-hmm. That's not Listen, that's I, not I needed bad. the hint system in a little to the left. I can't I no. No, no, I feel you, but I just, you know, you could like pretend you know what I mean? Like after you beat it once, just beat it again. <laughs> hey, you could, and yeah, not click the hints, but yeah. I don't know. An empty trophy. Yeah. Jenny. I also have a key for Moonstone Island. I have not started it yet. How is it? Yeah, I'm I'm very early on, so we'll see how as I continue it it deepens. Um first impressions are are quite pleasant. I really am loving like uh, for, for those who don't know, I guess, who aren't familiar with Moonstone Island, I should probably mention what it is. Um, Moonstone Island, are, it's for people who love like creature collecting, farming sim kind of vibes. Like this is probably one you'd want to check out. You're an alchemist in training, leaving home to make something of yourself. This is a world where there are sky islands. And so you're actually flying from island to island. And what's really cool, um, one of like the selling points is that um, as you explore different islands, uh, you create a home base on one but you'll explore procedurally generated islands. So lots of like unique runs that you can do to go out and delve into the world. And not only will you like collect different spirits, which are the magical creatures that you get to like essentially collect, train, fight with, um, but you'll solve puzzles. You'll make a life for yourself. You can date, which is always very fun in these kind of games. And it's, the sprite work is just so delightful. I think more than anything, the personality of this game and, and the art style and the music's like pretty nice so, so far. It's again, early enough on that. I hasn't like really stuck with me in any like solid way, but I love the art in this game. Um, they do relationships in a way that I find really interesting and I hope feels deep once I actually get into it, but they have a system where when you talk to villagers, um, you can choose from the jump to talk, to flirt or to joke. And each type of interaction has a different percentage chance of success based on like what I assume is your base rating or like your current relationship level with them. And so you can like maybe jump ahead a little bit and you're flirting. Like you can just start flirting and ask people out on dates and they may just say no. And that's just how like life works, you know? And so I thought that was really cool. And I'm hoping it bodes well for like that social sim aspect of it. Um, There's a lot of customization in terms of decorating your place, building out gardens. And I'm, I'm very excited to see how this goes. Um, I played the demo way back when it was available during available during the steam next fest. And I was really impressed. Um, I thought it was a solid demo. So I'm just really hoping that they can carry it through uh, a longer experience and not just in that like hour long sort of package that you get in a demo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it looks delightful. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. are ranting and raving about it. So uh, I'm yep. also glad in terms of like Raw Fury, um, it seems like this. And I was a little concerned that like Cassepis would cannibalize this a little bit. Just another mm. creature collecting game mm-hmm. in their library. But seems to be standing out on its own, especially with the Cassepis expansion coming or out already. I, don't, I, I forgot. I love it I all. So. Y'all, if you haven't played Cassette Beast, by the way, it's outstanding. Right. It is it so is good. <laughs> the best Pokemon game in the past like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I I, was, I just finished it and I was like, I think this made me fall in love with like Pokemon style creature collecting games because I've started every Pokemon game and I haven't finished one in ages. Mm. Um, I was Cassette Beast is so good. So if y'all want more creature collecting Moonstone Island, but definitely also hit up Cassette Beast. <laughs> yeah, Raw Fury is like 
killing it lately. Also, I'm just mm-hmm. like looking at like some of the recently released titles, like Friends Friends versus Friends is really yeah. good. Obviously, Cassepi's. Yep. We talked about Mr. S- uh, Mr. Sun's Hatbox recently. Kingdom 80s, like they're fucking killing it. Even they, they got the the Snufkin game coming out. They got Post Trauma. Come on, Rough Fury doing God's mm-hmm. work. Doing some good work there. What else you want to talk about? You can play some other stuff. Yeah, I've. It's funny because I've been so like really deep into Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood and like exploring that. So the last like this week, I kind of just like taste tested a lot of games and just sort of dove in and saw what was out there um, for my backlog. Um, There's one game. It's called uh, Packeret Down the Bunburrows. And this is is a really cute pixel art game um, about finding bunnies. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you play this girl. Um, and I, I'm sorry if I'm like butchering it's French and I'm sure I'm ruining the pronunciation, but you play this young lady named Packeret. Um, and basically you go deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole with each level. You try to capture the bunny, but they evade you using, they all use the same logic. If you like head straight towards the bunny, it will always move away from you. If it can see a dead end, it will always avoid the dead end. And if you try to intercept it and it has a choice between right and left, it'll always choose left. Which that like took is, uh, my brain is still taking a bit to like figure out what that means because it's a lot of me just like chasing a bunny and hoping I get it. Um, that's honestly is that working how, for you? Because that's what I, that would be what I, what I do. Because I'm like I'm not <laughs> so going to try far, to learn it. So far, it's been working out. Like the puzzles are like the first time I sat with it, I got like maybe four or five puzzles done. Like I have a short attention span for these kind of puzzle games. Like I'll want to hop in and hop out. Um, I did like five puzzles the first time hopped out did another five now i'm slowing down i'm like in it enough where i'm like okay maybe i could do like two puzzles and i have to actually maybe think a little bit more right right but um it's it's really fun it's giving me the same type of energy even though the logic puzzles are different as like baba is you and um for folks who are familiar with patrick's parabox it has that kind of energy too where um you start to see patterns outside of like the singular puzzle you're in. There's a bit more of a meta game happening. And I love when puzzle games do this. Um, it breaks your brain a little bit, but I, I think this is something I'm very excited to like finish and see what like the final realizations are going to be. So very stoked, highly recommend. Um, and then I've been diving to ghost well, lore. Real quick before ghost yeah. lore, I just want to highlight uh, a game that's in a bundle with Paraket. Um, a slug's dream <laughs> a slug's dream is a challenging yet accessible puzzle game about guiding an adorable slug dreaming about scrumptious flowers after skipping dinner through increasingly complex puzzles shout out to you slug's dream go check it That's out amazing <laughs> i love that yeah i've been in very much like a puzzle game mood lately so um this has been really scratching that itch and it's got cute bunnies so yeah. you, you really can't oh, go you wrong um And then Ghost Lore, which I played the demo of a long time ago, and now I'm finally like hopping in. Um, This one is really cool because it's an ARPG, so um, in the veins of like a Diablo kind of style game or even Path of Exile. And initially it was a bit hard for me to get into. I think anyone who's not already a fan of the genre, you'll probably find like the beginning to feel a little bit dense. and there's just a lot of the customization system. The maps are procedurally generated. There's like a lot of information with like the classes and the glyphs and it can feel a little bit overwhelming. 
But um, once you get into it, I think it provides this really cool opportunity to play an ARPG that is set in a different setting than we usually see. It's based on Southeast Asian folklore. So all of the monsters are like from just like folklore that's over from that region. I don't know very much. So it feels like extra exciting for me to play. Like I'm really discovering new stuff and I'm like taking time to like Google things because I'm like, whoa, that's like a really gnarly one. Like what's the story behind that? Um, and it looks really retro. So I think if folks are like, oh, I don't really like like old, old school retro vibes, probably not for you. But um, I found I really liked it. And there's a food system where it's like you eat food for different buffs and things. And the food pictures are just amazing because they're just like, <laughs> I think they're actually like just really um, pixelated JPEGs of like actual food photographs. Amazing. <laughs> and so it, it looks really delicious. And I don't know, there's a sense of nostalgia that it like really brings out. And I'm like, I'm not even from that area, but I can feel like the love the developers have for it. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend it if you're looking for like a Path of Exile like as, as you're playing. Nice. Um, in the doc uh, where for games we're playing, I just wrote LOL. Um, because video games yeah <laughs> i mean i played through the Mortal Kombat campaign i'm currently playing liza p but we're not gonna talk about that here uh so i'm just gonna play mom for a second uh jill uh axolotl mike was right yeah i'm always right uh <laughs> this is ridiculously good time magical delicacy which i think is a white thorn mm. joint right yep. mm. yeah. yeah it is uh wholesome i'm taking this from steam page a wholesome pixel art platformer cook magical delicacies from a vast collection of ingredients in your own shop explore an unfamiliar town and deliver tasty treats uh to the townsfolks townsfolk singular uh learn new ways to traverse traverse discover secrets and experience a unique witchy world uh jill says this just shot up my most anticipated list that's all I got for you. Well, this is uh, my anticipated list, not most anticipated list. My listen, <laughs> just in case, just you know, I just 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 look. I'm not trying to show you magical delicacy. Obviously, Jill sees something here, and that's great for Jill. I just want to clarify before she comes back and is like, "I said it, I anticipate. I didn't say most of it." You know what I mean? Like, I, that's all. Thanks for keeping me in check. Yeah, uh, and also Loop Hero. It's <laughs> very true. Uh, Loop Hero, my go-to sick game. Uh, Loop Hero fucking slaps. And I've been mean to go back to it uh, since I got my Steam Deck because it's the perfect handheld yeah. Steam Decky game. Uh, if you're unfamiliar mm -hmm. with Loop Hero, I'll, I'm just going to take it from the Steam description. Actually, no, the Steam description is bonkers. I'm not going to take it from the Steam description. Now i got to see uh, what it is. Hold on. I have to go look now. I The, the, well, the leash no, has thrown into the world not. of a timeless loop. Yeah, it's like you're looping around uh, a literal loop. And yeah, you're just it's going in like a circle. You're going in a circle. It's an auto-battler kind of thing, but it's fucking rad. And there's like some city-building elements into it. If you haven't played Loop Hero, play it. It's a good time. Mm -hmm. Underrated Devolver joint, I say. Yeah, I forget that that's Devolver, actually. Yeah, it's like Devolver. one of those Devolver joints. Like, similar to uh, Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood. It's like one of those Devolver joints that they don't talk about a lot. Oh, just once again, I must implore everyone play Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood. It's I so know good. I have it ready to go. I got I got like I kicked it down the down the the list in terms of weeks because I'm going to talk about it, I think in like a week or so. I, got, I got like an extension. So I put it off even longer, but I have it <laughs> locked and loaded. Um, I wish I wasn't like this, but I am. Uh, I will get to it, though. And I'm excited to. Sweet. Well, oh, and then Jill also wrote Gooby's Gang at the end of oh, yeah, <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrote yeah, Gooby's, go Gooby's Gang. Go Gooby's Gang. I feel Finally. like Gooby's, 
Maybe I don't know if it's well. Loop Hero can be a little thinky too. I think Gooby's is less thinky than Loop Hero. I feel like Gooby's is like a front runner for a sick game. Yeah, Gooby's mm-hmm. is a very good sick game. I mean, any Survivor's like is a good sick game. Yeah. yeah, I would say probably the more complicated one would be like Soulstone Survivors. That takes yeah. a little bit more energy, and that that has like a lot more systems in play. Arguably, I think that is the best like Survivors like like mm-hmm. no no shades of Gooby's. I'm Gooby's gang ride and die, but um. Yeah, no, great, like, ultimate sick gang. Also, it just, it, they look like a, a boogie, so if you have a cold and you have a runny <laughs> nose, like, it's perfect. There you go. <laughs> Join the Goobies gang. Uh, what does Jill write for the outro? Uh, that's the end of this week's council. <laughs> thank you for, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, where could people follow the show? We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google. Oh, we got on uh, Google? We are on Google. Okay. Officially, we made it. Oh, my God. Maybe. Happy eighth. The crazy eights, as they they call it. Crazy eights. Yeah, you put the two O's and Google together and flip them vertically. That's an eight. Look at that. And put the two O's and goobies right there. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, People listening, uh, let me know what animal part you would like attached to you. In the, in the future when that technology exists until next week goodbye <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>